0: All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Latinos in Real Estate Investing Podcast. Um, in today's episode, I have Mike Cading. Mike is a residential real estate builder and developer. He's a CEO of Norhart, a company with a focus of designing exceptional residents' experience end-to-end. They build more than just apartments. They're here to create a better way for people to live. Mm-hmm. Norhart was founded more than 25 years ago by... Mike's parents, Ed and Brenda Kading, he and his team are transforming the way apartments are built and managed by incorporating technologies and efficiencies that have revolutionized other industries. I want to talk about that, man. I really want to talk about that. That's exciting stuff. And they lead a high quality cost effective project. So we're redevelopers here as well. So I want to want to get your take on some of the things you're doing, you guys are doing. After joining his family business in just a few years, his father passed away. So he had to take the reins. And um, he felt like the weight was on his shoulders. I would imagine that being the case for you, Mike. And um, he's planning to launch a podcast, which we talked about a little bit here off air, becoming a unicorn. I'll let him share on that maybe at the very end. You could talk about why and how that became. Um, so you shared a little bit about that. I'm excited for you on that too because that uh, sounds like a really interesting um, really interesting podcast. Tell us, Mike, how did this all begin? I know your family has been in real estate development. Yeah. Um, how, how did this all evolve for you?
1: Yeah, so my parents originally started the business. and As you mentioned, uh, after a few years after joining, my dad unexpectedly passed away. It's like overnight, my world was shattered and in many ways I had some experience growing up in this industry but I I really didn't know what I was doing. And see there was magic in that because we started to question how buildings were constructed. We started reevaluating everything and started looking are there ways that we can do this better? And the reality is there is. If you look at the past 60 years, manufacturing has improved productivity by 760%. Air culture, 1,500%. Do you have a guess on how much improvement there's been in construction?
0: No idea, man. Probably not much.
1: Nothing! <laughs> almost nothing. 10%! It's terrible. It's horrible. Right? And so we just started working with people in these other industries and applying the techniques that they've learned to drive down the cost of construction here. And we're already 20 to 30% less. We believe we can achieve a 50% reduction in costs compared to other developers. And imagine what that means in the long term. That means someday your rent could be half. Your mortgage payment could be half. That's the kind of impact that we're hoping to make.
0: Tell us about that technology. When you say you have some technology that's improved efficiencies by 30%, Please do share, because I need to improve efficiencies by 30% with my construction. So please yeah. go and share with it, with me.
1: So there are technologies, but I would say what's more important are the techniques. So, for example, in construction, typically everything is very siloed. The owner is different than the developer. Who's different than the general contractor who coordinates the construction? Who's different than the subcontractor? who are your plumbing, yep. electrical, HVAC, are also different than your manufacturers and your suppliers. We looked at that and said, well, why is that? Other industries don't do it quite like that. And we took all of that under one roof. So everything from coordinating owning the buildings down to plumbing, down to manufacturing precast concrete, to wall panels, to even supply chain. We have staff overseas to coordinate those supply chains for us. Now, what that does is it enables us to start applying techniques learned in manufacturing to take a building that would take 16 months, 15 months to complete and dropping that down to eight or nine months. Mm. Do that. One is you break the building down into separate components. And for us, that typically is a unit or a half unit. And then we have a sort of timer, if you will. Every five hours, every five hours, we produce another completed apartment. Now, in manufacturing, Toyota, for example, they've gotten down every 55 seconds, they produce a new car. But in construction, no one that I know of has come close to five hours. Most people think that's an insane goal to try to hit. But basically, we condense all the labor into a smaller area to produce things at a higher speed. lot of pain a lot of struggles in that but that's one of the techniques that we've used to drive down those costs
0: wow so every five hours can you elaborate on that what you mean so you're building apartment buildings i know i know your bio i said residential you're also building apartment buildings i suppose how did you first of all how did you quantitate five hours um and just just tell me more on that i mean every five hours so how many, how many developments are you doing right now? How did you figure that math? Right. Like I say, hey Martin, I have a hundred a hundred unit apartment building we're doing. Is it is it like that? Um I'm doing a hundred building a hundred unit apartment building. So when we get to this point, then every five hours we're finishing a complete unit.
1: Yeah. So there is a little bit of ramp up and ramp down time for like digging uh-huh. the hole and laying the foundation. But for the vast majority of the work, Everything is scheduled out in five-hour blocks. I can tell you a year from now where the electrician team is going to be in which building and in which unit. Wow. But that enables us an awesome supply chain to support all that. We can do some crazy stuff. Uh, but if you go look at one of our sites, on one end of the building, it will just be dirt. On the other end, it's a completed apartment building and people could be moving in. It's really pretty crazy and impressive to take a look at.
0: Wow. Um well, I'm, I'm just trying to wrap, I'm wrapping my brain around it, right? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm wrapping my brain around that, right? Because it's just it's so out of the box, which is really cool, right? That's what improves humanity. It's yeah the techniques and technology we evolve. How do you, as a company, um, Mike, and I know we're getting into the weeds a little bit here, yeah, but I'm no, just no. curious because I'm also a, dev- a redeveloper, not a developer like you. But how do you, as a company, um, go... F- manage the contractors right how do you manage your contractors because we have human beings involved Mm -hmm. and managing contractors is its own beast oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) it's a whole beast like you got that's a skill set in and of itself managing uh those guys um so how do you keep them on track to stay, because what I'm hearing is an assembly line. I'm hearing that you've built an assembly yeah. line. You've got a system down. You've got, you've got an assembly line. How do you keep those guys on track to make sure that the assembly line is functioning and that you, next April, like you said, you would know exactly where your electrician is going to be or where what's happening exactly?
1: So the short answer is nobody can. And so you have to change your approach. To give you an analogy, imagine at Toyota they're producing cars, and you had a different contractor installing the windshield from the one installing the wheels. <laughs> you would have a contractor call in and be like, "Dude, I can't be there for another week or two. Mm-hmm. Shut down the line. That's unreasonable." And then they would get upset with you because you only have one car to work on. No, they want an entire floor cleared out every one of the way. So when I get there, I can be effective. That that's doesn't it just doesn't work well. And so the key is to not have subcontractors instead to hire out and build your own team
0: got it okay so you you've become the construction company in terms and yeah. in, in that respect that makes yeah, and sense. even
1: down to things like we used to purchase wall panels we now produce wall panels in our own factory precast concrete I don't know if you know much about that space right now, but this is the concrete beams and columns. Mm-hmm. Many locations around the United States and have very long lead times for precast concrete. In Texas right now, I think it's like a year to two year lead time. It's unreasonable. So what do we say? So let's go build our own precast facility. There's only a couple in our state, and now we're one of them.
0: Outstanding. Outstanding, man. I love that. Um Were you always set to someday join the family business or did did you have other plans? If so, what were they? Were you Mm kind of like, hey, thrust in, I got to go and learn construction and go run my dad's and mom and dad's business?
1: Yeah. To be honest, I didn't want to join. And the reason I didn't want to join is I didn't want people to think it was given to me. And so I went off to college. I focused on computer science. I was actually very involved in virtual reality and and had research papers and whatnot in that space. And uh, my dad really wanted me to join. And it took me about a year after college to realize that deep down, I just wanted to make a meaningful, positive impact in the world. And I realized like, we could do that by transforming my parents' business into an entity that's driving down the cost of constructing housing. And so eventually, I had to get past my own ego to to realize the opportunity in front of me, and that's that's when I finally jumped in.
0: That's that's really good because I I, I would imagine that you know I have I have a vision myself as a father, mm. right? That maybe yeah. one day um, one of my kids will pick up and keep the business going and be the brains like you right and improve it and make it better i start something and maybe my grandkids maybe my great-grandkids who knows right and make it more efficient and sometimes this i would imagine it's tough to be the kid have these <laughs> expectations right <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> you're the kid you're 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 the kid now you have to Take what Dad built, Mom and Dad, and you're like, shit. I got to make it better, right? I got how 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 I got I got these these big shoes to walk in, and the family legacy. Um, I want to go back to your construction, and hmm. you you said you've improved the efficiencies by about thirty um, yeah. percent. Can you share a little bit on that, on how you've done that exactly in terms of the efficiency and the cost, and how you've driven the cost? Do you know? Keep in mind, you're you're a bigger company, so you said you started your own. Um, you're one of a few in, in in your state that do the foundations. I don't I don't remember what you called it, that lay out the foundation. So not many of us have businesses that size that we can we can say, hey, yeah, we're just going to start manufacturing, right?
1: The interesting thing is we started doing this even as a small company. Okay. Uh, to give you an example, plumbing, when we jumped into that, I – <laughs> Uh, what is it? Uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Of oh, invention, yes. A, a, our plumbing contractor at the time came back to me and said, Mike, I'm sorry to say this, but we are doubling our bid. It's like, I, I don't have money for that, right? I, we're not that big. We don't have hmm. endless pools of money. I said, good luck. Good luck finding somebody else. Hmm. We were looking to find other people and found there were nobody less expensive. It was very expensive at the time. It's like, how else do we do this? We realized... Well, if we partner with this group over here and bring in some of our own staff and read a lot of books, we can start to learn plumbing. Now, it was a bit rocky in the beginning and it's a bit rocky for everything we start off with, but that's how you get going. Some of the other ways that we've been able to drive down costs is, um, one specific one is where you purchase your supplies from. Mm -hmm. We used to buy a lot of supplies locally in the United States. What we found is a lot of the local vendors we're just reshipping it from places like China, or that's where a lot of the stuff gets manufactured anyway. So why not go build relationships directly with the manufacturers in China or Mexico to bring those products in here? And again, that sounds like a, a big company kind of thing to do, but we again we did it as a small company. We would hire a freelancer in China to go tour the plant, to go look at the contracts, to go meet the people. Like cost. I don't know, 500 a $1,000 to have someone go do that for a few days, send us back video to establish those relationships, and then they would ship us out the product after purchasing the things that we were purchasing from them. So it's scary at first. It's terrifying. But it, sometimes you just have to take that leap of faith and deal with the problems, and then you get to a better spot on the other side.
0: Yeah, it's out of the box, but I, I'm loving what you're saying. I mean, you know, when you, when you think of, I'm going to say when I think of what you just said, I think thousands of dollars, right? In in mm-hmm. my the brain just says, "Oh my gosh, so, you know, thousands of dollars hiring someone getting someone out there doing all these things. Who do I know in China?" This is what the brain does. The brain just starts yeah. to give you excuses like, "What do you know there? What do we have? What do we like, you know, it's just the way we're wired, right? Just to um just kind of what the brain does, but you've you've you guys kind of overcame that and And just, that's
1: exactly yeah. where my brain was a few years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I want to, and I think we talked a little bit uh, about this off air. Um, mm-hmm. So our, our end goal eventually is to be here as a company for us is to be developers, right? You guys are developing yeah. multifamily. Can you share with me, right? How does your business work? How does a developer's business work? What does it really mean to be a developer, right? Like, can you tell... Me and the listeners, you know, what I know about developers, hey, you have a guy that or a company that builds houses or apartment buildings, right? And when I think about, Mike, the cash burn rate that I have when I'm redeveloping a property, and we're the last to get paid. You know that. We're the last to get paid. You don't get paid until that project is finished or either refied if that's what you're doing and fully rented and refied, right? And you're in stabilized. Like, we're the last to get paid. So when I think about... Your business, what you're doing, I love to learn, man, what's your mindset? First of all, tell us what a developer is. How does it work? And how does it work when you have such a high cash burn rate? Because I know you do. You have a high cash burn rate when you're building this property. How do you manage that?
1: So there are developers, there's general contractors, and then there's subcontractors. There's really the three big categories. Mm -hmm. Developers find sites and put deals together. Uh, and so they might actually buy a piece of land, they might sit on it for a couple of years getting approvals through all the cities, things like that. They might find investors to bring into the deal, and they might find a general contractor to coordinate all of the construction. The general contractor is the one that produces and actually constructs the building, um, which can be quite challenging. Both of those can be quite challenging. The uh, cash burn rate is immense, uh, but it depends on the size of the project that you do. Our current project, now this is a bit larger, but it's a $100 million building. Uh, that's the valuation of it. Our niche has been to drive down the cost of construction. So our cost is about $68 million or so for that project. Now, the, one of the ways that we solve the cash burn rate for ourselves is we go get a loan on that building, and we can get a construction loan typically at 75%. So $75 million. Mm-hmm now think about this if our cost is 68 million but the bank is going to give us 75 million our cash burn rate is actually backwards Mm -hmm. we're actually generating cash by doing the projects it's a little bit trickier than that because we have to put cash into a project and then we can pull it back out afterward but that's essentially how that works now in more recent times it's gotten tougher. Because inflation has come up, interest rates have risen, and banks have become more skittish. Mm-hmm. So before they're offering 75%. Today, they're offering 55%. Whoa! But we are having to generate cash to put in these projects. So this one is probably about $10 million. We built up a little bit of a reserve to handle that temporarily. But we still have to solve that gap. So what are we doing today to solve that gap? We're We're building out actually an investment platform. It feels a little bit like a bank. It's not actually a bank. Let me be very clear on that. But everyday investors, everyday people can go onto our website and actually deposit money into an account that earns them a rate of return that's much higher than they can achieve at a bank. Mm. And that enables us to raise that capital, to bridge that gap so that we have the cash to handle that situation.
0: Okay, so you said a lot of things, right? So generally, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot to unpack there. So thank you for the education. So I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I got a bunch of questions around that. So typically, you know, I know that when one of the telltale signs, he who has the money makes the rules, right? That's mm, money. Yeah. That's b- richest men in Babylon, one of the great, great books on, on money finances, right? Basic rule: he who makes the money makes the rules. So the banks make the rules; they have the money typically when we see the banks lowering their ltvs like they just did i'm refinancing a 57 unit apartment building and i'm getting like we're getting to the to the close to the end goal here but man it's been it's been a challenge to, to get that refi mm-hmm. um, typically when we see ltvs go down loan to values go down we know the market's tightening when we see ltvs go up the market's hot so the market's going up that's one of the general rules yeah. um so when you're doing these loans, right, hundred million dollar project, let's just say, let's just use a seventy five percent LTV. They're going to give you seventy five million dollars. You now have to come up with twenty five million, which you can syndicate or raise, or you have your reserves, right, investors, and put it in, put that as down payment. But you have no cash flow still. Um, you're breaking ground. When you structure these loans, are the banks having you? make interest payments, or do they defer the interest payments until the, the the loan, until the project is completed? How does that work with the lenders, typically?
1: Yep. So they have something, what they call interest reserves. So part of the cost of your construction, if you will, the whole total cost of the building is going to be, in our case, it's like $2 million that's reserved for interest payments until the building is filled. Now we estimate the length of time it takes to fill the building, and that's how we determine those that interest reserve. So we t- we draw down the interest reserve to pay off the monthly interest payments.
0: Perfect. So that's pre you pre. So you raise that capital up front. You, they, you part of your closing costs is holding there. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That was the thing I I, I was like I was trying to figure out how do, how can how does how do these developers make money right? Like how where, that was the one thing. So. On this particular project you're doing you said it's a hundred million dollars um it's how big of a project is how many apartments is that
1: uh it's three hundred and fifty or so it's one of the nicest properties in the state so it's a little bit more expensive per unit
0: perfect where where is it located what state what state is this mi uh, Minnesota about? Minnesota great um Mike on something like that so three hundred unit apartment building you guys are building out what does um how do you pro forma that? So how do you project out on that? So you're saying, hey, I'm gonna close on this. Let's just use January 1st. I'm gonna yeah. close on this January 1st. So when you say the bank is gonna draw down on that money, how are you pro formaing it out considering that you have all of your plumbers? You you're basically hired everyone in-house. So you have a little bit more control, obviously, because mm-hmm. they're your employees. So you have a a manager i would suppose maybe acting as a gc making sure everyone's showing up to work so that's a big deal but yeah. how do you perform a, that out a, a project that size i'm just curious is it taking a year two years and when does the bank when do you start making payments so when does it go from ter- from from bridge to perm right when does it go from bridge to permanent debt and how is it two years three years generally a general rule for you as a developer An apartment takes me 30 days to lease. Like, I'm just curious on how you guys project out on that.
1: So, for a 350 unit building, that's probably a 12 month lease up period. Uh, And the, yeah, we just look at the NOI, so the net operating income that we expect Mm -hmm. to get, and we kind of project that out for the long term future. And it's pretty standard in that regard and then we have expenses and then
0: uh yeah so but my question is like so so you're saying 12 months from the finishing of the project right uh
1: from the day we start letting people move in sometimes we spread that out a little bit but yes so it takes about 12 months to fill the building
0: so this particular project just curious um you know from loan to from 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 term to perm how long how long are you projecting that particular asset to to be done?
1: Yeah, so from – it's about two to three years typically that okay. they'll let us do interest only. Uh, that's okay. like all negotiable and things you can negotiate with the bank in advance.
0: Okay, outstanding. Outstanding. I know we got a little bit into the into the nitty-gritty. I'm just looking yeah. to learn from you because uh, – Yeah, Uh, I've always been really curious as to how the bigger developers make that work. Um, Got another question for you. What do you predict the future of real estate looks like in terms of the market for especially for development? You know, there is a lot of data showing right now that housing starts for single-family residents, not a lot of data, but, the, you know, Builders Association is way down. Right now, we're yeah, we're is. underperforming in terms of housing starts. But for multifamily, is way up. I think it's something like 7 or 8%. And, you know, with rent softening right now in 2023, right, and just where the market is in 2023, being in a recession, I think we're in a recession right now. So mm-hmm. That's arguable to some people may argue. We're at worst-case scenario in a in a housing recession, right, on the single family side of things. Um, Where do you see that space um, in terms of develop, as a developer, how are you looking at the future? How are you guys projecting
1: now? Let's take a quick break.
0: Before we dive back into our conversation, let me share something truly transformative with you. Picture this. I've personally created Wealth real estate investing. And now I want to show you exactly how I did it. Introducing the 60-Day Deal Finder, the game-changing online course designed to revolutionize your approach to real estate investing. In this dynamic program, you'll learn battle-tested strategies to uncover high-yielding opportunities, insider tips on negotiating and confidently closing deals, a step-by-step roadmap to help you build your real estate empire in just 60 days. And here's the kicker. I'll be revealing the exact methods that help me create wealth through real estate. But that's not all. Enroll today and get an exclusive deal just for our podcast listeners. Use the coupon code WEALTHYAF at checkout and get 20% off your purchase. Stop dreaming and start doing Your journey to financial freedom begins with the 60-day Deal Finder course. Head over to martinreimastery.com. That's martinreimastery.com. And let's build wealth together.
1: Yeah, so as interest rates rise, someone has to pay for that. It's either the renter or the homeowner, or it's the owner of the the building, right? So mm-hmm. if, so what we're seeing is it's being split a little bit. In the housing market, for example, housing prices have started to soften, but not enough to compensate that entire difference. And what's kind of interesting mm-hmm. is the number of new sales has slowed substantially, both the sellers and the buyers that want to pay for it. But eventually, we're going to hit an equilibrium on, on that again. And so I see the housing price come down a little bit to compensate for that. Uh, The rental market's kind of an interesting situation. It's really interesting. You said that some of the data you're showing is showing more development. At least in our state, the data I've seen is that we're actually getting a little bit less multifamily development. Mm. But uh, regardless, if we have more development uh, and demand stays about the same, you'll start to see lower prices. But I actually think development's gonna slow down because of the cost of interest, which would then drive up prices in the midterm. Um, But I think what's really interesting, this is is kind of atypical of someone to say, but if you look out 10 to 20 to 30, maybe 50 years, Mm -hmm. I look at places like Japan, I don't know if you've studied Japan much. They're just a further down this road than we are. Mm-hmm. Their population in the younger ages is a lot smaller than that of the older ages. Mm-hmm. And in Japan right now, you can get a house, a decent house, for like nothing, basically free, or maybe $5,000. And that housing market has really radically changed in a way that they look at houses in the way that we look at cars. They're a nice asset to live in and have, but they depreciate over time. In America, it hasn't been that way. Housing is appreciated, but I th- I think as the demographics change to things more like Japan, in fifty or hundred years, we could see that in the long term.
0: Wow, that's an interesting perspective, Mike. You think yeah. that we can, in our country? Wow, that's really outside of the box, man. In the cap, in capitalism, capitalism, capital of the world, right? Like we can go down that route. That's really interesting.
1: Well, especially because you have companies like ours that is trying to ramp up production in a way to drive down housing costs. So if we are successful in the long term, it can scale up nationwide. We will see uh, lowering costs. It's to the benefit in the long term, but there's going to be some displacements as a result of that.
0: Yeah, there's going to be a lot of displacements, right? Because there's going to be a lot of debt that's going to be you know, if it dry, if the prices drive, if, if what you're saying actually happens, there's going to be some pain in the meantime. There's going to be some transitioning mm-hmm. time, some, some challenges and transitions. Um, let's talk about technology. What are some of the yeah. things that you're that you're seeing or that you think could be disruptive in in our business, right? In the multifamily space, in the rental space, in your space, I. Bring me up to date, yeah. my friend. I'm interested in giving you a perspective. So we have a
1: variety. We have things that are more immediate, and then there's things that are crazy. Uh-huh. Uh, on the crazy side, are you guys, are you familiar with Boston Dynamics?
0: I am not. So Boston
1: Dynamics has developed robots that can do parkour. They can do dancing. They can do flips. They can go just crazy. And it is incredibly hard to do that. And in fact, for a hundred years, robotics have been in a very terrible state. I mean, robots for uh, manufacturing or something repetitive are fine, but general purpose robots have been terrible. But in the last couple of years, there's been a radical, radical improvement because of the use of AI. That kind of leads me to other kinds of crazy technology. If you're familiar with chat, GPT, or Dolly, those AI technologies right now are exploding. Every single week, every single month, there is a meaningful step in growth and improvement. I don't think most people recognize the transition we're going through, but in 50 years, we're going to look back, and this is going to be a major inflection point. On the less crazy and more immediate side is we're already working with companies that have produced robots that can do painting. They drive around, and then artificial intelligence. They know where to paint and go on the, the units and paint correctly. Uh, there's excavation equipment that uh, people don't need to drive anymore. It can be one guy on an iPad controlling a fleet of vehicles that are using GPS and other equipment to uh, excavate. So there's some really cool, crazy stuff that we're uh, in talks with.
0: Yeah, that sounds so awesome. And to, to uh, everything you said just sounds amazing to me. I just, I can see, now I can start to see your perspective on how mm. boss can drive down. I can. Oh see yeah. Now, now I can. Now I can see that that perspective definitely, definitely could drive the cost of construction way down. What impact do you think? I want to talk. You mentioned Chat GPT. I haven't mentioned yeah. that here. Um, and I'm, I've kind of been playing with Chat GPT for our listeners. Chat <laughs> GPT is an open AI artificial intelligence. Freaking amazing! It's awesome. I love playing with that thing. It's just, it's just, it's just, it, it's incredible. Um, from your perspective, how do you think that that type of AI will have an impact in real estate? I've been asking, I've been toying with that question for a while, man. Like, I'm like, is this going to replace the redevelopers? Is this going to replace, is this machine eventually going to become our landlord? Like, that's one question I've been mm-hmm. asking. Like, this thing's smarter than me. Is this thing going to be able to figure you know, run the numbers, obviously can run the numbers faster than I can, ever can, right? Um, but is this thing, am I going to be paying rent to this thing one day? Or is that where we're going? Like Short I,
1: answer, yes. <laughs> it's it, scary, um, man. To give people some perspective, right now, ChatGPT can do coding. So you can ask it and say, hey, can you develop out a website for me that has this cool little app that functions this way? It's like, yep. And then it generates the code gives you an explanation of how it works and you can get deeper explanation from it. I've heard of people actually finding that chat GPT is providing now insights into certain problems that humans never had. Because you can have it solve like miscellaneous complicated math problems. You can actually ask chat GPT to be a um, like a mentor to you and and ask you questions and teach you and train you. You can it, it feels a lot like a human. It's incredible. So we've been playing with it. Um, we've been playing with it a little bit like uh, we do like Twitter and Instagram and all of that. Like create a uh, a Twitter post that has something interesting about the real estate market, and it's really good. <laughs> and it gives oh. hashtags and everything. Uh, and so we've been playing with it in that way. But I think what's more interesting is the technology underlying it because right now uh, there exists technology that we're starting to work with that can answer the phone for for instead of releasing agents. We can have a chat system where people are interacting with us and it's it sounds human, it responds in a human-esque way. I've seen that. And so I think those are some of the first ways that it's gonna permeate the market.
0: So let me ask you this question. Where do yeah. you see is our opportunities as investors with AI um in the mix, right? We know, hey, look, we know that Facebook is taking a beating in twenty-two with this uh metaverse thing. I think they were early. I think they were early in that tech. They were too early in that technology and we weren't ready to embrace that fully. They 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 they're bleeding. They you know, Mark lost a lot of money with that.
1: Yeah.
0: With that. Um However, I personally believe that that is the way of the future, and um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll share this with you, Mike, real quick. I yeah. bought a I bought an eight unit apartment building in oh, March nice. of twenty two, and when I went, I was walking it with my property manager and my project manager right before we bought it, so we could see what we were going to do and how we were going to increase rent value adds. And I see this kid; he's in this, mm-hmm. um, he's playing this video game. He's sitting on this like car like seat on the floor with these goggles on, right? and yeah. it's 11am. It's 11am. The kid's playing and it's he's moving and he's playing this game like if like in a real arc, arcade but with goggles. So I knew he was in virtual reality. And at that time I was thinking, man, I was thinking about investing in in the metaverse. You know, it was popular. Yeah. If you remember last year, it was so popular. People were buying and it wound up being a bus. And at that time I was studying the metaverse and I was like, "Hey, maybe I should start buying real estate there or maybe I should I need I was looking into it. I was investigating it, doing my own due diligence. And it wasn't until I saw that that kid mm-hmm. that I walked, I was walking that property, and I said, "Uh, uh-uh. uh I'm gonna stick to what I know." And what I know is that real assets, right? This kid, no matter if we if the future goes to the metaverse, people still are gonna need shelter to play their metaverse. I'm just gonna have to provide them whatever internet, insulation, soundproof, whatever <laughs> it is, right? That I'm and I'll, I'll now do that. So I decided not to go and play in the metaverse. I'm glad I did because it busted so far. Yeah. It's been a bust. Where do you see the future of that? Where do you see the future of in terms of technology with real estate? Just curious on on your thought on how you see it in your mind with all of this AI going on.
1: Yeah. So to give you some context, uh, I was involved in virtual reality probably a decade before most of the world knew much about it because we were in the VR lab. We were actually studying different components of it. Uh, Bitcoin, I was a very early investor before anyone really saw that. I actually looked very heavily into, um, the metaverse and decided just like you against that mm-hmm. because I didn't see the engagement that I was expecting to see yep. uh, on those platforms. I didn't think it would, I think there's still an opportunity there, but I don't think it's quite fitting yet. Right. Um, if I was to place a bet today, one of those bets would be in Boston Dynamics, the robotics company. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think they uh, allow for public investment, but I wish I could get in. Um, there are the AI field is another one I think right now is still a good time to get in where people... The rest of the world doesn't really understand how radical that's changing at the moment. And then there are other ways, you know, you can get in kind of through a side door, which is like, for example, our company, we are involved very much in these technologies. We'll be applying it to our industry and hopefully having an advantage of that. You're not directly investing in AI, but you're investing in a company that is using that to take an advantage in the market.
0: Wow. Um, yeah, that's a that's a great great perspective. You mentioned something earlier, Mike. You said that Chat GPT. When I asked you earlier if we if we're going to wind up, us humans are going to wind up paying rents to AI, right? Are they going to mm-hmm. take over? Are they going to be the landowners? And that's tough to swallow, man. That's a tough one to swallow. Tell me, can you can you elaborate a little bit on that? The hot, what yeah, do you so see there
1: i don't think ai is ever going to be a land owner but we will definitely be paying rent to chat gpt right there's no reason that we need to call in and ask or need a person to handle our service requests or a person to handle our rent per- payments In fact, it's easier to have a uh, ai and Robot. artificial intelligence to do that i think the piece that's that what probably, you meant
0: okay i got it yeah. that's what you meant uh-huh
1: i think the the piece of it that won't be replaced by here or won't be replaced by AI is the relational. But even that, I put a little bit of a caveat because there's some AI systems out right out right now that some people are starting to feel like they have a relationship with the AI, which is a mm-hmm. little bit crazy, a little bit even hard for me to swallow.
0: Yeah, that's scary, man. Because it's gonna start. It's gonna start shifting our brains the way we're yeah. wired. is going to rewire us to think that a robot, which a robot can be perfect in all ways. A robot cannot make mistakes. A robot will not make mistakes, if, especially if it's self-learning. And it could eventually lead us into believing that that thing is a human being and that that thing is like you and I and that that thing can understand how it feels to lose a father. We've both lost the fa- our fathers. Mm-hmm. How it feels to lose a father, there's no way in the world that thing can know how it how we experience and process that emotion.
1: What's crazy is so much of us have a need not to feel lonely. There's a certain segment of the population that struggles a little bit with social interaction. And I can imagine a world where that segment of the population gets their need of of getting past loneliness solved by interaction with AI. So I'm really Kind of curious what happens in that space if people detach from the rest of society to live a life just interacting with AI
0: yeah are you guys currently because I you're big into it um, into the technology piece are you guys using AI right now currently in your business um, are you guys implementing any AI right now at at, at norhart to for efficiencies in any way
1: yeah we have a number of um, systems that are already using kind of artificial intelligence-based techniques. One of the things is how we price rent. And so we built out a whole system for that. Uh, it's a lot like the airlines where pricing changes on a regular basis, but the system is learning based upon what happened from its prior experiments and also the market conditions wow. involved. Um, I think other ways that we haven't used it yet, but we are we are moving toward this is the like the phone answering stuff. Uh, there's some really cool technologies already that we can be using yeah. that feel very real. Um, yeah, so, yeah. I was seeing
0: a video on YouTube on that. Um, I mean, the voice it's, it's scary. Good. Like yeah, I was, I was like,
1: what's the ums in there? <laughs>
0: yeah. Yes. Yes. I was like, What? it is scary good so listeners you guys are listening or watching this uh, I would go and, and do some research and and, and just get, at least get up to date on what's happening and be aware because if you're I mean how many users did chat GPT get um, one million users in five days or
1: something Wow
0: like that I was watching the data the other day I was like holy crap it took it took Facebook I think two years or something or a year or something to get to that they, this thing did it in five days um are you guys using ChatGPT other than what you mentioned, you know, to get some creative posts for the company and things like that in any other way? Um, you guys as a company?
1: Uh, at this time, no, but I I could definitely see us tying more and more into it. They, I believe they have an open API, so are, and developers are also exploring ways to connect into it and use it for the business.
0: Yeah, there's, um, and I know we're kind of going off topic here a little bit, but they're using Um, I've been, cause I've been studying it and I've been watching it. I've been playing with it a lot and Mm. uh, I just, you know, I keep playing with this question in my head, how can, how can we use this thing? We meaning as a company or as investors, how can we use this thing, this super intelligent machine that just so interactive, so, so wonderful. It was just wonderful. I'm just, I saw it. I was like, what in the world? How can we, as investors, utilize this machine to, like you said, drive down costs or improve efficiencies? I actually asked Chat GPT the other day. I said, <laughs> I said "How can I make money with Chat GPT?" I don't know if you've asked the question. <laughs> I literally asked it, and it gave me and it gave me one of the answers was, um, you can use Chat GPT, plug it into your website type of thing. And make it an interactive for whatever it is that you're selling. Interactive mm-hmm. to answer questions, whatever it is you're selling.
1: I like a chatbot.
0: Yes, but it was it was it was something around along those lines that it does the work for you on your mm-hmm. website. You drive people there, and I was like, man, this thing is just it's just scary good, man, and it's just getting better. And what I've noticed is, and I don't know if you if you used it or you've played with it recently, which you probably have. It's getting better. Mm. Like it's getting like the answers are getting better and they were good. And now, now they're getting even better. And it's like, I don't know if it's me. Um, There's even an extension because ChatGPT goes through. um, I think it's, goes, it's only good through 2021. But okay. there's a Google extension, just in case you didn't know, which I added. If you open it on Chrome and you add the ChatGPT Google extension, I don't know if you knew about this but no. it, it it actually connects to the internet and it gets you real life data from the internet with the google extension oh wow dude it's crazy it's it's, it's uh, so you could get up to date so it's only a matter of months before that thing is like super like super um up to date with data and projections and things like that it's um it's scary good anyway, interesting like, is
1: a lot of people don't understand fundamentally the difference between exponential changes and linear ones Mm -hmm. we think in our minds so linear and so it's like okay there's going to be incremental improvements throughout life but there are some things and technology and specifically ai is one of them it's not linear every year that passes it's an order of magnitude better and it's really hard for us to comprehend that i'm guessing in five years there's going to be radical things in ai we cannot even imagine today
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. How are you? Um, what is your perspective on how you seeing um, AI right now? Just in general, I mean, how are you seeing it? What it, what is your mindset around it? Are you embracing it? Are you like, hey, I'm totally open to this thing? Um, we we we're just like I'm embracing this whole AI thing because there's a camp that is like, oh my gosh, we're scared, right? Because it's going to replace a lot of jobs. It's like mm-hmm. Let's, be honest. We just said that dy- Boston Dynamics has robots that are painting. <laughs> right? And they're going to do a perfect job. It's going to be a perfect paint job. It's not going to be no, you know, it's not smears. It's, it's going to be a perfect paint job. Um, how, What's your, I'm just curious, that'll be my last question for you because you've been gracious with your time. What is your perspective on just overall, overarching, and I know you're a technology guy, on AI?
1: Yeah. So, we very much embrace it. And to to the point where, so every week we have orientation for all the new staff that are hired and I run orientation. And uh, during that, there is probably 15 minutes worth where we actually show the team some of the new technologies. We're working on some of the technologies that are out there in the marketplace. And we have a dialogue around a little bit of the fear that people have on that new technology. But to talk that through because we want everyone on our team, everyone on our staff to be embracing the newest technology because if we don't, someone else will and that someone else will then put us out of business.
0: Oh, that's such a freaking amazing point you bring up, Mike. That mm-hmm. is so true. We either get hit with the time or we get freaking sweeped away or we're going to die. We're going to be the dinosaurs.
1: Exactly.
0: We become ancient and, you either get on board or you're really gonna figure out a way to become valuable. Um, I think again, this could not be changed by by AI yet. Um, maybe as you know, maybe in the future I'll be interviewing a robot and you'll be interviewing a <laughs> robot in your in your podcast, and it'll look just <laughs> like me, and you won't know, and it'll do all these gestures and do the ums and all that stuff, and we won't know. That's very possible. (laughs) Very, 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 very possible.
1: You know, it's Uh, interesting. People used to think that AI would first solve the simple problems and then move its way into things like creativity and art. But the reality, it's almost been the opposite. Some of the simple mechanical problems, like painting a wall or what have you, is much harder than artwork and creativity they can rates there's an ai software i was working with yesterday that writes songs <laughs> dolly can literally create paintings and photorealistic yeah. renderings from words it's amazing it's kind yeah. of shocked me the way it's gone Yeah,
0: it's scary scary good i i don't know if you heard about this it was um i get in my in my morning news brief, my business brief, my financial newsletter there is a uh, artist are suing i think it's dali i think that's the one that does the yeah. the art right they're suing yeah. they're suing a bunch of artists are suing because of creative something cuz you could tell it hey make me a cat in a beach and make it picasso style and they're and they're suing the company for infringement or something crazy And i'm mm-hmm. like God guys it's just weird times we're living in like you said we're going to look back in 50 years from now and say that was it it was right there where the where the whole world changed we're living if you um if you're old enough to remember the Jetsons um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right we were watching the Jetsons i was watching the Jetsons we were watching the Jetsons as kids and it was like um what's her name the the, the maid lady and all of the you know all of this Awesome stuff that they portrayed in the cartoons, and we thought it was so far away, that's so far out there. Yet, I think we're here now.
1: Mm.
0: Mike, thank you so much for being such an awesome guest, man. Thank you, thank you for your time, thank you for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, your inputs, man. I'd love to have you back sometime in the future, yeah, and I'll be tuning. Be into, uh, I'll be tuning into your podcast as well. If the listeners, you you talked about, by the way, uh, I mean this is a company. Just, just talking to this man here, to Mike, he's he's an innovator. He's open mm. to the future. This is a company that I could personally, me personally, I'm not telling anyone to, I could personally get behind and put some of my own capital just because of the you're mm. open and the way you're thinking and the way you see the future. Uh, really yeah. enjoyed this conversation with you, by the way, too, Mike.
1: Yeah, I did too.
0: Um, so if people wanted to get in touch with you, I know you mentioned about your website and people going and, you know, investing with you or uh, connecting with you. People wanted to check you out and they're like, man, I really like what this guy's doing and his innovation and what they're doing and the way he's leading and the technology he's embracing. How could they reach you? How can they connect with you,
1: sir? Yeah, you can visit our website. It's norhart.com. That's N-O-R-H-A-R-T.com. And you can see on that page, you can learn about it, the investment platform that we're building, as well as the new podcast that uh, we'll be launching here in a month or two. And that's
0: Becoming a Unicorn. Just share a quick little bit about that. I know you shared with me off air about um, where did that name come from, Becoming a Unicorn. Look it up, guys. Um, when is it going to come out? Let's just make sure. we I, can...
1: About two months. We're, so is it March? We're launching it. Yeah. March, April. Becoming a Unicorn is, is all about Unicorn status, so becoming a billion-dollar private company, what is that journey really like? So for us as a business, we're opening that up because we've been very much on that journey, and we're going to be interviewing and connecting with others who have gone through that journey itself. So if you want to see the good, the bad, and the ugly, very open about all of it, you can learn what that journey is really like.
0: Yeah, so you're going to be talking to you'll be you're, you're, your 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 net. You'll be billionaires, yeah. billion people that have built billion dollar companies privately. I have a couple. Exactly. Of, I have a couple of guests for you. Uh, we'll talk oh, off air. Awesome. I'd love okay, to great. You could connect with them in the real estate space too. I think would be really cool for you. Um, anyways, guys, thank you for listening. Make sure you connect with Mike at Norhart.com. He specialed it out. He he broke it out here. Also, it will be in the show notes for you. So all the links will be in the show notes for you to grab and um go connect with him. Um thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening. If you're listening, really, really appreciate it. Sir, thank you for coming on. I really enjoyed this interview with you and this conversation we had. Thank you. And that wraps up another episode of Wealthy AF, brought to you by Premier Ridge Capital, where multifamily real estate syndications meet premier success. Your future starts here. Visit us at premierridgecapital.com for more details.